This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Biz Life Simplified, the program where you stress less, enjoy more, and optimize your time, energy, and results. Now, here's your host for Biz Life Simplified, organizing expert, speaker, and university certified executive coach, Nancy Hagen, freeing you to do what you do best. I'm so glad to be able to introduce our guest today, Dr. Frank Wood. He has a PhD in clinical psychology, and he's trained, he and his team have trained over 2,500 individuals around the U.S. and internationally. And one of the interesting things about it is that one client commented to him that he's really accomplishing most of what a traditional mindfulness course would accomplish, but on only about 10% of the time. So um, he really cut to the core of what we, need to, what we need to hear about. So welcome, Dr. Wood. Well, thank you, Nancy. And it's um, nice to join your call and share a little bit about what I know about stress with your audience. Great, because, you know, that's one of the objectives of this podcast is to, as I say, stress less, enjoy more, and optimize your time, energy, and results. And so you had mentioned to me that um, there are four, because I don't think we necessarily connect um, stress with productivity, and we'll, we'll try to tie that in a little bit as we go along, but you had mentioned that there are four primary ways that business professionals respond to the stress that comes into their life or that they see in their life. So would you tell us about those, please, and how that manifests itself in the business world? I'd love to. Uh, Again, I think that there's really four primary ways that we respond when pressure or demand or stressful stuff is happening. Um, Some people will hide from the issue. This might be the person giving you a blank stare or going deer in the headlights and um, mm-hmm. Many introverts or extroverts will experience this with some of the, the introverts on their teams where the person just freezes up. Mm-hmm. Um, other people will hide or not so productively deal with the issue. They'll maybe avoid the issue. Um, anybody who has a teenage child <laughs> has had this when they ask the child a direct question and or a, a, a direct reports who might not be fully honest when, when presenting uh, uh, an issue with their boss just because they might be uncomfortable bringing mm-hmm. that issue to life. Uh, and then right. there's other people who will stand their ground and fight, um, mm-hmm. almost like it's a territory that they're trying to protect or acquire. Um, and so those tend to be um, destructive to yes. uh, to engagement. And then, then the other, the, the other, which is which is really an outcome of the the process that I teach, is for people to settle themselves in the midst of that pressure or demand, because the the pressures and the demands don't go away, um, but they settle themselves so they're more productively dealing with mm-hmm. the issue rather than perhaps a side issue. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to get themselves grounded and or centered, you might say, uh, and then. Yes look honestly at addressing whatever the issue is. Correct. And the, the challenge is that when we're tasked with dealing with a situation that we don't like or is not going the way we want it to, 
biologically, we're going to experience a fight response or a flight response or a freeze response. Um, most people talk about the flight, the fight or flight response. Yeah. But equally as damaging is the freeze response. Tell me more about just, that. Where we just freeze up. Now, there's a there's a, a professor at Indiana who came up with this theory that says biologically our brain is always paying attention to data. And when okay. our brain is getting data that we think is safe, that things are going the way we want them to, this would might be in the in the business a project going in the the client is, is agreeable with the suggestions and doesn't come back with any, I'll call them change orders. Mm-hmm. Those clients, typically uh, an employee will interact, will, will speak and listen, and they'll have a productive conversation, and the project gets done. Anytime the data our brain is getting is, is deemed dangerous or not safe, we're not getting what we want, the, right. the first thing we're going to do if we think we can do something is we're going we're gonna to battle to accomplish this. Uh, that will, 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 in a sense, engage in a fight response, this might be motivation. So actually, this fight response is actually productive some of the time. We'll show up early. We might create a new report that might make the issue a little bit more clear. Mm-hmm. And the, the flight response also can be adaptive. We might change the topic or we might bring the, 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 uh, our client back to kind of reframe the issue. Um, and so that fight or flight response is actually adaptive, helpful sometimes, but it's destructive yeah. when it becomes um, a, a, a either an argument or avoiding the issue. And mm-hmm. then the freeze response is actually adaptive when we're when we're overwhelmed with the data and we shut down. This might be in 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 a in a business meeting, our saying to to a client, you know, I think we're off base, so why don't we take a pause? take a break for the meeting, and then come back. And so mm-hmm. you, you see the client not engaging. You see them going to deer in the headlights or, or direct report. The worst thing you can do is continue to talk uh, because yeah. the person isn't really – you're not really connecting with the person. Yeah, uh, good point. And, yeah. and Nancy, I call this a two-way monologue. <laughs> you're not hearing me in the project late or two different conversations. Uh-huh. And, and 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 then often what happens is is there'll be the experience that awkward feeling in the in the air of I'm just not communicating well to you. But a lot of times that's because you're talking about two different things. And if you can yeah. align those conversations, mm. and really I think the only way my experience has taught me a primary way that is helpful to do that is to sell yourself, give yourself in a sense a moment of time. And if you can do that, even in the midst of a conversation. What's going to come out of you is going to be much more appropriate for that person you're speaking mm, to yeah. or with. Yes, just taking a, a moment to uh, pause, to think, perhaps, take a deep breath. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay, great. And just to kind of shift yourself to a more productive uh, approach if you, you know, if you have been uh, made aware that, you know, of doing that, I think. Because so much of it just happens automatically, you know, the emotions and everything can take over automatically, or it seems to be automatically. So that's why we need to learn that there are other ways of, more constructive ways of dealing with things. So. Cor- correct. And it's almost like we don't, it's almost like we lose our ability in that moment to control ourselves. Uh-huh. And then, then what comes out is, is that, 
perhaps a slightly more aggressive response than I really needed in this instance. Yeah. What What's even worse is, and, and this is also part of how our brain works, is if you're consistently late to meetings or you consistently, you're an employee who consistently doesn't volunteer information in meetings. Mm-hmm. But my brain is going to pigeonhole you as the person who always shows up late. Not consistently shows up late, yeah. but always shows up late. And then when I'm talking to you, not only talking to you, but I've got this memory of your, I'll call it, uh, unproductive behavior that's almost like a story that I'm talking to in addition right. to my inner. So I can be very right. disrespectful to you while I'm talking to you. And I'm trying to remain calm, but I'm furious because mm-hmm. I know that you may never, you may never learn to show up on time. Mm. Um, and, and that past memory, um, that past memory, interestingly, Nancy, doesn't have a timestamp. Hmm. So, it never expires. Is that what that means? Let's say that again. It it never expires. Is that what you're saying? It never expires, but it also my memory of perhaps an employee who doesn't participate in meetings also gets joined by other memories I have I have of similar people who haven't stepped up. Yeah. So I might remember my younger brother who is always late to Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. That memory will merge with, and so my frustration with, or my distress I experience in interacting with anybody gets merged with my own past experiences of similar occasions, mm-hmm. which right. which makes my my stressed response to any individual more challenging to deal with because I'm not just dealing with them, I'm dealing with all the memories I have of similar times where I felt yeah. that same yeah. type of frustration. So I've heard it said, maybe this is another way of saying it, um, that there are the facts and then there's the story that we tell ourselves about the facts. So what we're trying to do is step back, settle ourselves, and and just look at the facts. Is that a fair assumption? Correct. I, well, I call this the Stephen King horror flick. <laughs> I love that. Because... The the horror that I feel, because let's say, um, well, I had a client this week where he has an employee who tends to show up late. We mm-hmm. called the employee and says, you need to meet me promptly at 8 o'clock because you need to drive to Columbus. Mm-hmm. Well, 8 o'clock came and passed. <laughs> and about 8.12, this employee showed up. Uh, and, surprise, and surprise. the manager was just furious. Yeah. Now, what what was he furious about? What was interesting is he was most furious because he felt the employee was being disrespectful to him as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. The reason he wanted the employee to show up was to arrive at a client's office on time so he could accomplish everything that needed to be accomplished with that client. Right. But, sure. but there was a merging of you're being disrespectful and you're going to be late and you might not accomplish. And so this manager, the owner of the company, was really overwhelmed in that moment. And then when he engaged this employee, he was not quite as respectful and or motivating. Mm-hmm. And so then he sent this employee off to call on this customer that was oh. preceded by a two-hour drive Yeah. with fury or with frustration yeah. or with, yeah. I'll call it, less productive um, right. Counsel. Right. And, and when that happens, uh, 
there's a disengagement between both boss and direct report. Yeah, and disengagement, I, and then neither one of them, I suspect, is functioning at their optimum best level. No. And the, the employee might, with this boss, and I said, you know, your employee probably went into Charlie Brown teacher mode when you were talking to them, <laughs> where they, yeah. weren't even, they weren't even listening to you. They were yeah, just, hearing just kind of a noise. Of, <laughs> this noise. And, and then is there a connection between one employee and another or uh, a, a, a business owner and their client? And mm-hmm. oftentimes there's not a really clear connection just between mm-hmm. an employee and their coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, that where this is also very challenging for the millennials is when they're coming into, um, they need to hold their opinion because life should does not treat them exactly the way they want them, what mm-hmm. life to treat them. And, mm-hmm. and many millennials struggle with this. Well, they may approach the owner of the company relatively disrespectfully just because they feel the owner of the company should respect their opinion because they're 25. And so (laughs) not sufficient respect for, I'll call it role in company, gets brought into conversation. Mm -hmm. And and this can be very damaging in the workplace to both engagement and productivity. Absolutely. Well, let me pause for a, a moment here and come back to you. And um, can you tell us a l- something about maybe a pivotal moment that you know was a catalyst to your wanting and needing to simplify your life? Um, yeah, the, the one, one specific years ago, I was a, a practicing psychologist, and I was working with older adults. In, like in nursing homes, and adults mm-hmm. with developmental disabilities. And one of the wow. things that I noticed is each of these people was, was completely okay, was fine when things were going as they wanted. But mm-hmm. the minute something went in a, in, in a direction that was opposite of what they wanted, they didn't like a roommate or didn't like a particular um, a, a holiday, that's when their, their symptoms would explode onto the scene. Mm. And then when things came back to normal, they were okay. And I Mm -hmm. found this dynamic happening from person to person to person where we're relatively okay, then something happens, and then we lose it or we become less productive. And this is where the the, the fancy term is impulse control happens, where we lose our ability to control ourselves. So we Mm -hmm. might cry or we might get angry. Um, And then my middle son, who's got a learning disability, I noticed the same thing happened with him, where he would get a, just an assignment from school, and he would fall apart. It was mm. just an assignment. Oh, gosh. And so what I noticed from person to person to person is we're all okay, and then we end up after something happens that we don't care for in a yeah. position where we're, where we're less productive. And yeah. just that experience helped me realize that this issue of stress is not so much or when life isn't happening the way we want it to, is not really the issue. It's our response to our circumstances that's the real yeah. issue. Yeah. And and if we can become or learn how to become more resilient, not so much throw in the towel when circumstances aren't giving us what we want, mm-hmm. we have a capacity to perform at our, our best mm. or in our potential 
even in the midst of that pressure or demand. And so I'm wondering, that's, that's, because uh, it sounds like there's some some learning and uh, involved there, and some uh, dare I say change <laughs> um, <laughs> that in terms of how how we deal with things. Um, so if you, with the benefit of your hindsight, were talking to yourself maybe 10 or 20 years ago, what advice would you give on how to deal with things like that? Um, how to be more resilient? Or um... I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. The, one of the things is changes typically start with the beginning. I'm going to be more calm or I'm going to be more patient or I'm going to be more mm-hmm. resilient. And, mm-hmm. Or I'm going to hire a new person, or I'm going to go into a new business, or whatever, or I'm going to yeah. hire a new client. Changes typically start with the beginning, and what I would tell myself is, is a transition really begins with an ending. I'm going to give up my need to control my environment, mm. and then I'm going to go oh, to a that's... neutral zone where I'm going to uh-huh. want to return to that, but I know that that's not in my best interest, and then in a sense, I'm going to cross this river to what I'm going to do more productively. So I'm going to be more engaged in what my client's needs are rather than dogmatically holding on to um, my own agenda. And and so if we can move from changing, I'm going to start this, to a transition which is much more um, psychological because yeah, I know end, that I need... The end result... Is where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, where you're going. But it I, sounds like, I, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I don't mean to to talk okay. over you. I was just going to say, um, it made me think of uh, Stephen Covey talking about begin with the end in mind. That sounds like that relates correct. to what However, you're saying. However, most business people became successful at, at performing a certain way. Now, are you okay. familiar with the Peter, the, the Peter principle? Yes, yes. Rising to their level of incompetence. Is that yes. way, the right way of putting it? <laughs> yes. However, a very good salesperson became very good because they, they knew how to push push their product to market. Uh-huh. But, and, and, and so a skill set gets developed in, I know how to push my product to market. But pushing your product to market if you're a sales manager <laughs> may not work because you might need to bring some empathy or some training or some skill development to the people who might not have your same drive. Yes, yes, right, that people factor. Yes, so all of us, I can have the end in mind, but if I'm blind to perhaps how pushy I am. Okay. My pushing may drive the pressure I have with you who might need to be encouraged rather than shamed or mm-hmm. motivated by money. And mm-hmm. not every person is motivated by the same things. Right. And so if we can pay attention to how can I most productively, in a sense, transition myself with my skills to speak to one person and then move to another person who might be motivated by something completely different, mm. yeah. I can still bring my drive to one a, a common uh, pro, uh, behavior uh, from each of them, but I'm going to be more appropriate when I talk to both of them. Yeah, so so that says a lot about the growth that's required of that sales manager 
uh, growth of understanding people and everything to be able to do that. Correct. Yeah. And I believe it, it starts first, Nancy, with kind of becoming more aware of your own reaction to when circumstances don't go the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you learn yeah. to settle yourself. It's almost like on the airplane. They say put the air mask on yourself and then put it on yeah. the you. Yeah. And so right. I, I think that the the, the first uh, priority is to begin to better understand how stress influences you, and mm-hmm. then noticing that, learn to settle yourself so that you're more productive, and then mm-hmm. begin to notice that in other people. And that's something that brings it back to something that, uh, while it isn't necessarily easy, it is a something you can control and something uh, that is simple in that you stop and be aware. Not, I know it isn't always simple, but or isn't always easy, but it is like one thing that you can control where you can't control everybody else and their reactions, so, but you can control your own and sure. become well, more and, aware, and, right? And the, the person who popularized the term stress, and he brought it into the lexicon of kind of, 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 of interpersonal stress. Before him, it was just load stress, like engineering stress. Like a, if you put too oh. much stress on I beam, it would break. I see. But and who was one that? Of the things, this was a guy named Hans Stelja, who, hmm. um, who said it, it's really noxious things happen, and it's our adaptive response to that. But in his book, The Stress of Life, he identifies four primary areas where we experience internally a stress response and that's mm-hmm. when our mind floods with thoughts i need to do something about this how do i think mm-hmm. what do what do i think is the best alternative our mind will mm-hmm. also flood with emotion mm-hmm. now, i believe emotions provide motivation for our behavior so if yeah. i'm curious i might ask questions if i'm frustrated i might give you my opinion and so if we can begin to look at our behavior and consider what emotion is motivating this behavior, we might realize frustrated is probably not the best way for me to motivate my team. Mm-hmm. The other right. two areas that, he, that Hans Selye said that stress will show up is some manner of body tension. We, we might feel our palms sweat or feel our, the, 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 the beat of our heart in our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then there's something that he called, I, I, I label it pressured behavior. We tend to overstep or understep. We become a little bit more aggressive. We act like a steamroller or we turtle up. And mm. these four things happen inside all of us when circumstances aren't going the way we would prefer. Mm-hmm. And so if we can shift our focus from, I want this sale to what happens inside me when I don't get this sale, mm. or I want this this team meeting to go the way I want it to, and then the slide deck doesn't work and the technology doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What happens inside all of us is we have this almost explosion, this stress response, whether it's thoughts, emotions, body tension, or pressure behavior. And if we begin to focus, and I'm aware when my mind floods with thoughts much more than you are. You don't know what thoughts are in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I don't know what emotions might be in your mind when things aren't going swimmingly well. You might become very patient. However, mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to lose your patience and you might become a little bit intolerant mm-hmm. um, uh, of that individual. And so as we shift our focus from 
circumstances going the way we want to, to our response to the circumstances. Yes. This, this gives us a thing that we can do in the moment. Oh, I love that. I think that that sums it up beautifully. Would you say that again? Because <laughs> I started to say it, and I thought, no, I think you can say it better than I can. Okay. So the, the fancy term is moving from an external locus of control. My yes. To an internal locus of control. So I'm managing my internal con- focus of how mm-hmm. am I responding in the midst of my circumstances. Yeah. And as people learn to make that shift, they gain a flexibility or a freedom, even in the midst of demand, to be more mm-hmm. productive. Yeah, that's and, that's great. And this is something that people can learn to do. Yes, it's right. Not, and it's, it's, it's and then they don't feel so um, a victim of the circumstances, if you will. You know, it's not just about what's going on outside them. It's what well, can and, I and, do? And, well, and how can I manage myself in the midst of life as it's happening? Now, yeah. where, very personally, where this applied in my life, where I saw it, is my stepfather passed away two years ago. He had chronic leukemia that became acute mm. leukemia. And the doctor said, you've got a week or so to live. Oh, on gosh. His last day of, on his last day of life, Nancy, he shared with my mother, his wife of 31 years, I just want to die. And hearing that, my mother, who was really propelled by a desire to provide care for her loved ones, uh-huh. left him. But what, she didn't leave him. She left him, actually physically left him, brought him back some greater chocolate chip ice cream and said, <laughs> if you're going to die, you might as well have this for a final meal. <laughs> and, and so she was able to be present with him yeah. in the midst of loss, which yeah. is just a remarkable Oh, and that that experience happens to all of us some of the time, where we surprise uh-huh. ourselves, with our patients, or mm-hmm. with our our capacity to be there. But at other times, it's like, where was I in that conversation? And why didn't I volunteer what I had because it was the right solution? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. And and when this becomes the new habit inside a business or inside a division that division performs mm. much more efficiently. Oh, yeah. And, and this is where I I believe the issue of stress ties directly to productivity and profitability inside businesses. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's very, very helpful, Frank, Dr. Frank. Well, I think we should, we're ready to wrap up for today. And those are wonderful insights that I think all of us can can take with us and all of us probably uh, can afford to do a little work on to help reduce our own stress. So not worrying about or depending on the externals, but uh, seeing what we can control. So any other thing you'd like to, I don't want to cut you off, anything else you feel well, impelled it, it, to give? If anyone is interested, I've got a website, www.thrivingwithstress.com. Yes, and yes. If, if people are interested in, in how my training works, they can visit the website and or give me a call. Uh, Great. But it, it's my it's kind of my passion for the balance of years that I get to live on this earth 
to just share a reframe on the issue of stress so that people can realize they can leverage that experience and thrive rather than try to avoid it or control oh. it or contain it or deny it. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much. I'm sure this will be valuable to everybody who's listening. So All right. thank well, you thank so much, you, Dr. Frank. Okay. All right. Take Bye-bye. Care. This is Biz Life Simplified, where you stress less, enjoy more, and optimize your time, energy, and results. Join us each Wednesday on the EWN Podcast Network. To download the program or learn how to be a guest on the show, go to EffectiveDay.com slash podcast. Programs are also available on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, EWN Podcast Network, Stitcher, Tune in radio and aha radio. Remember, Biz Life Simplified is where you stress less, enjoy more, and optimize your time, energy, and results so you are free to do what you do best. This is the EWN Podcast Network.